Welcome to Got You Covered, presented by Hickok and Boardman Insurance Group, the podcast where we unpack the countless ways in which insurance affects our lives, and so you can properly manage your unique risk. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Got You Covered, presented by Hickok and Boardman Insurance Group. I'm Ryan Lee, your host and a client advisor with the firm. And today we are talking about one of my most favorite topics in insurance, cyber liability. This stuff is really interesting. And if you want to talk about a constantly evolving coverage and something that affects every business, uh, this is it for sure. Cyber liability could not be more important in today's day and age. And so I'm going to bring in a colleague of mine, Mindy Barrow. She's been with the firm several years, and she's also a client advisor. Mindy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. So right out of the gate, Mindy, uh, I get this question a lot. I'm sure you do also. Business owners, they look at me across the table and they say, Ryan, why do I even need this coverage? Why do I even need cyber liability. That does I don't need that. I don't have people's social security numbers. Yes, that's, you know, it's interesting. Well, to start off, I will say, like you, cyber is my favorite line of coverage. Um, I also will say, and you probably can agree to this too, we're hearing that question or that statement of why do I need this a lot less? Because I think the media, in particular in the last year or two, has done the job of selling this coverage for us. So I think everybody has seen how rampant this problem has become um, and now better understands why they might need it. Nonetheless, there are still some skeptics out there. So um, the question does remain. And yeah, it isn't necessarily for businesses who hold the information of others. Um, Obviously, that is a a sort of key target and you are in a more vulnerable space if you're a place that does that. But um, there's a lot of other vulnerabilities that businesses have beyond just the information of others and therefore reasons why you would want this coverage. Yeah. So what are some of the most targeted industries that you're seeing? I would say as of late and sort of according to the market feedback, um, certainly anything healthcare related is still hot. And I'm sure people have seen that in the news. Uh, Public entities or municipalities, that's a big target um, and one that's quite frankly pretty hard to find coverage for right now. Also, manufacturing um, and retail. Those are two big areas that seem to be pretty heavily targeted. but of course, that's always changing. But at the moment, and and for different reasons, too. I mean, those are pretty different entities in terms of the information that they would have on hand. So again, just reemphasizing that argument that it's it's not just about the info you have. There's a lot of other reasons why you may be a target. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to not see um, all the ways in which cyber 
attacks and ransomware are affecting businesses. I mean, even in our office, right? I mean, insurance, we certainly have a lot of valuable information, but um, it, I bet you the average listener has seen a fraudulent email come in to their their email system. And, you know, how did they respond to that? Well, cyber liability is there just in case you clicked on the wrong email, right? And it's right. really that simple. Um, so getting down to the nuts and bolts of the coverage, um, how is a cyber liability policy structured? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think first and foremost, best practices are what all companies need to tackle first. The cyber liability policies are are there to have in your back pocket, but your people, which are your greatest asset, are also your biggest weakness in this realm. So having everybody be aware of these things that are out there, training them on best practices and knowing, you know, not to be tricked and click on some of those phishing emails um, is really the first step to combating the problem. Um, but absolutely having a policy in place is is going to help you because these entities, these criminals, if you will, are very sophisticated. So even the savviest of business, business people can, can be duped by some of this. Um, so it's tricky to navigate. So yeah, the policies are really interesting. They are set up in sort of a multi, multi-faceted approach. But really the easiest way to break it down is there's there's two main parts to it. One being your first party coverage and the other part being your third party coverage. So the third party is the part of the coverage that is going to protect the liabilities to others. So the privacy concerns that people mention, the information that you're holding, um, this really was where the coverage started. And I think most people first became aware of the issue with um, like the target breach back in 2013 and the amount of information that was taken through that hack and sort of what unfolded in terms of the obligation of that company to sort of make all of their clients whole, if you will, on the fact that their credit cards and or personal information had now been exposed to the dark web or some other unbeknownst criminal organization. Um, And then thereafter, there were some pretty notable newsworthy breaches. I know I, for one, was was caught up in one. It was a healthcare company and Mm -hmm. received that letter in the mail. You know, your information has been compromised. You are now getting two years of free credit monitoring. Um, So that's an example of the third party coverage and just all that goes into A, the fact that you had a breach. What and how did it happen? How deep was it? So the company provides forensic uh, investigation into that matter. Then once it's determined all of the resources and, and money that it takes to then notify your clients or, you know, the holders of the data that there's been a breach. Um, and so the legalities and the regulations and perhaps any penalties that come along with some negligence in there, all of that is covered in that 
third party element, the privacy and security piece of the coverage. Um, That's the classic piece that that most people think of, I would assume. It's like, oh, data has been compromised. Now I'm liable for somebody else's data. But that's just half of it. And frankly, from my experience, probably yours too, not the most common part of the coverage that's being used. Correct. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's it's somewhat passe. It's sort of how the coverage started. Um, but then now we've seen really in the last few years, those claims evolve into the first party side of the coverage. And this is where these coverage forms are really interesting because unlike typical insurance where there's commonly known regulated insurance forms, you read one company, you've read them all, uh, you know what the coverages are and what to expect. Here, these insurers for cyber have been really reactive in a good way to what they're seeing in the marketplace. So as these criminal entities unroll you know, some new and clever way to trick people, they have then reacted quite promptly, actually, to provide a coverage to help assist the client with whatever new thing has come up. So yeah, that really came into play, I'd say in the last like three or four years with things like um, social engineering, you know, where that's where you get tricked into sending somebody money and or information. Um, Then extortion is a big one that you hear about. And I I would assume most have heard about a lot in the news in the last year or two um, where they essentially hold you ransom Um, And with that comes a multitude of other losses that can play out when you're not able to operate your company. So ultimately, when you're looking at a coverage form, it all comes into play. Like you will never have one claim that just affects one line item on the coverage. Mm -hmm. It all plays out. And then it's just a matter of where really the biggest portion of it pays out based on the details of the claim and the circumstances. I remember we had a, a carrier partner come to the office a couple of years ago and explain a, uh, a a ransomware attack. I love to use it as an example all the time uh, in meetings. Is a hotel? I think I think it might have been in Boston. I'm not sure, um, but their key cards had been locked up because of a ransomware attack. So somehow the sophisticated hacker gained access to their key card system at this massive hotel. It might have been an email, could have been a rant, you know, any kind of thing like that. Somebody just clicked on the wrong email, right? When you said your employees are the the first line of defense, you they're the biggest asset, but also your biggest weakness. You know, this is how it happens. And the key card system was locked up. Nobody could get in or out of their, well, they could get out of their rooms, but they couldn't get into their rooms and it just shut down business for the hotel. You imagine being in the hotel industry and suddenly not being able to use your key card system. So this leads me into my next question is we talk about a situation like that, or maybe another example where say I'm a owner of a manufacturer, I've got some pretty high tech equipment. It all gets locked up, you know, see whatever it might be, whatever industry you're in, you can, if you're listening, you can, you know, imagine what your example would be. But my question to you, Mindy, is you've had a situation where your business is locked up how does the actual coverage respond? Yeah, absolutely. And when you think of it in this example of manufacturing, I mean, we've become so automated, which is great, 
but again, just emphasizes that vulnerability. So yes, we often see things happen like this on maybe a Friday afternoon um, when people are looking to end the week and get out for the weekend and they may click on something or make some decision hastily, which they wouldn't have normally, but um, it can often go that way. So ultimately, yeah, once they discover there may be a problem, they would call us, the agent, and we would talk through the situation. And then generally, we would reach out to the carrier and put a claim in um, for the client. And from there, the carrier has a breach response team. So they will reach out to you generally, I mean, depending on the uh, the severity of the situation, um, but generally pretty quickly, um, maybe within one to two days. But if it's really severe, I mean, very, sooner than that. Um, and essentially talk through what the situation is. And from there, if necessary, let's say this is a pretty severe situation we seem to be looking at, they would deploy a forensics team um, to kind of get in there, go into your systems, figure out, you know, the depth of, of the breach or potential loss and determine where it came from. And it, you know, they've have some pretty sophisticated either teams of their own or third-party vendors that they work with who are able to kind of know where this threat or malware or breach came from and the likelihood of them cooperating with you. Um, yeah, so then at that point, they're going dis- to sort of head down many a road and say, okay, they've they've got information and they're threatening to expose it or they have exposed it already and so it will take a lot of of twists and turns but having that forensic team in there from there you know you'd obviously need a legal team to navigate the depth of what your obligations are and your responsibilities and the thing about cyber is every state has a different regulation when it comes to your obligations as a company and what you need to do from a notification standpoint. And if you're a worldwide company, for example, doing business in Europe, they're very strict about notification deadlines and the windows in which that needs to occur. So right away, your legal team is going to be on that to figure out from a regulatory standpoint, what you need to be doing. And it could be 50 different things, depending on, you know, if you've got clients or information coming from 50 different states. Um, At that point, you may have public relations involved um, in crafting the message uh, to protect, you know, your brand and the goodwill of your company. Um, So those are some avenues that the coverage could take. And then also, looking at the problem itself. So if you're an online retailer, or I guess in this case, we're saying a manufacturer and your line is shut down and you aren't able to produce your widget for which you earn, you know, $50,000 a day producing that, if your line is shut down, that lost revenue adds up really quickly. So then there's the first party side of the coverage that will engage um, the lost income from this. And also determining, okay, they're holding us ransom. 
does it make sense for us to pay this entity and move on with our business? Or does it make sense to not pay them and try to restore all of our systems, which may take two weeks to a month, and therefore you need to restore that lost income? Um, so it's really an analytical process once you understand the scope of of the threat and which avenue you need to take to essentially be back on track as quickly as possible. I think that's why I like the coverage so much. It's not as simple as the classic fire, okay, we know what the damage is because the building burned down. Like we're going to rebuild the building. Pretty straightforward. Hire a contractor, right? Uh, They put it back up. But with cyber, there's just so many different ways in which your situation can be unique. And that's to your point, why you want to make sure you have somebody really looking at all the different options of cyber coverage because it's not one meets all scenarios. Right. Um, Speaking of interesting coverages and ever evolving. So it's quite easy for um, you to be missing coverage or not be aware of uh, newer coverages that have just come out because the industry is constantly evolving. What are some of the newer coverages that you've seen recently related to cyber? So a couple new ones, one that started to appear on the forms, maybe, gosh, time goes by so fast, but maybe two years ago, is crypto jacking, which that was eye-opening to me. And I mean, in a nutshell, it has to do with your your electricity, your power, your, your utilities. And there is a whole marketplace out there of these... Uh, currency miners who, like Bitcoin, for example, that, you know, and again, the, the depth of this technological knowledge is far beyond me, but there are people who make a living out of making connections on these uh, cryptocurrency transactions. So, you know, many of us know of Bitcoin, but there are many others. And essentially, it's a race to see who can make the connection first Mm -hmm. and they make a profit off of this. So there are businesses, underground businesses that have been formed where they're essentially um, doing this at such a high level that they started to essentially steal um, the server and and power capacity of companies. So, So yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, companies would look at their electric bill and think, what the heck is going on here? And lo and behold, there was somebody that was what they call crypto jacking and essentially going through their servers to make these connections. And so they were sort of broadening their power to do so. But in in doing so, it uses a lot of your own power. Um and I just thought that was really fascinating. And I i don't know, I had recently seen um, a, a news story, maybe it was 60 Minutes or something, where they were showing some of these server rooms and the amount of power that actually is consumed in these spaces. And I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of power that's used by these servers. So you can see all of a sudden, how a company might notice that something is awry, everything else on their computers or business, everything's operating fine, but it's just this little hidden thing that's in there. 
Um, Crazy. Yeah. So there's a coverage for that, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, another newer one is bricking, which again, different carriers may call it different things, but in some cases, the malware on the computers is sort of so severe that the actual computer itself is is rendered useless. Um, and the coverage never used to replace actual hardware. You know, there were all these other elements to the coverage, but if you needed to replace, you know, a desktop for somebody, you had to come out of pocket on that. And I know I can think of a situation that came up in the last year where there was an entity where they had a very significant breach and they had to replace 2,400 computers (laughs) at their place of business. So again, yeah, you think of a couple, no big deal, a workstation. I don't know. What is it? Thousand bucks? 1500 bucks? Maybe. I I, I don't know. We'll have to get the IT guy on here. Right. Um, thinking of my own shopping habits, right? But times that times 2,400, okay, that then is is significant. So yeah. that's a, yeah. a neat coverage that I think has been really useful. And again, I think it's just the, the cyber markets reacting to what they've seen and they realized, okay, yeah, these clients are now having to replace a lot of hardware. Let's build in some coverage. So it's a nice factor. The industry is constantly evolving. It's so cool. Makes me wonder too, like if there'll be, um, I was thinking about this just the other day. I, have, I was talking to somebody about how, um, you know, we see more and more uh, self-driving vehicles. And what is the cyber liability related to a vehicle or even an auto automated fleet that's been hacked? It's very interesting. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure that coverage, if it doesn't already exist, uh, it will very soon. And that's that's what's so fun about this coverage. Yeah, no, I, you bring up a good point because there are certain coverages that contain bodily injury coverage. Many don't. In fact, there was one client we were looking into that specific clause for a few years ago based on the software this company had created there, in theory, could be a, a claim coming out of a bodily injury scenario where generally bodily injury is, is or used to be excluded on most policies. So, yeah, I think that's it's, you know, you just wonder what's around the corner. It's going to be really interesting. And I think a big part of that, too, is going to be the onset of artificial intelligence and how that comes into play and what coverages they'll design around that. Um, certainly that's a tool that some of the criminals are already using to, to dupe clients. Um, so I think more people will start using that regularly in their own business transactions. And so I think that'll be another interesting area of coverage too. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think you and I can agree that we would probably talk cyber for hours if we could, but, uh, this is this has been another great conversation, and I hope the listeners got something out of it. Uh, any parting words for the listeners about cyber liability? I mean, I think the biggest thing it's a it's not a question of if, but when. So understand what you have for coverage. Um, it's generally affordable to get. So if you take care of some best practices on your end you can get a a pretty good coverage policy in place without it 
breaking the bank, at least right now. So get on board while, while you can. And, uh, I I don't think it would be a, a frivolous use of your insurance dollars at all. Thanks again for joining the podcast today, Mindy. This has been another episode of Got You Covered presented by Hickok and Boardman Insurance Group. We'll see you next time. Thanks.